0: Hi, everybody. David Noor back with another episode of our Intelligent Growth with my business partner, Jen Korts. Hello, Jen. Hi, Noor. Great to be here. Uh, it's great to have you. And for our audience, uh, we're excited to uh, again share Tuesdays at noon Eastern a new episode of Intelligent Growth on the various social channels. We also repurposed this episode as our podcast. So wherever you consume podcasts, you can just search for Intelligent Growth. And you'll get our latest thinking perspective case studies examples all around driving intelligent and hopefully profitable growth in this episode Jen and I are going to tackle this idea of uh, this this apparently elusive uh pursuit of revops job descriptions and we believe a different way a better way of really thinking about how to align talent to value creation just as a, as a quick reminder, uh, we believe, you know, we're more connected digitally than we've ever been. And yet we're in a personally more disconnected than we've ever been. And if you've attended any of our previous sessions, we talk a lot about this customer life cycle journey of how are you creating awareness? How are you creating engagement, uh, uh, really eval- helping the clients evaluate your solution We coach a lot of clients that the relationship really starts when they start to buy, and it cannot stop there. You have to create, you know, help them create adoption. Uh, We recently signed on for yet another SaaS platform. Not only the sales rep wasn't particularly sharp and hadn't done his homework and knew nothing about us, but ever since we signed and we paid, we haven't heard from these people. And I'm like, I I don't know how you think this technology is going to just kind of. We're going to pick it up through osmosis or smoke signals or how do we create impact in our business through this technology? Because I'm guaranteeing you, I'm not buying, nobody does, buying any piece of technology or a solution because I have nothing else to do or I'm bored. I'm looking for you know, opportunities to dramatically improve my business. And yet, and, and by the way, they'll call back when it's time to renew. And you haven't earned that trust. You haven't earned me as a customer if you want me to, kind of you know, rinse and repeat, if you will. And this isn't just our opinion. We've also built a scorecard to really go through uh, quantitatively what many people have a gut feel or intuition toward. So, but in in this episode, what I really want to talk about is, um, I think Jen, you recently went through a whole bunch of RevOps job descriptions on LinkedIn?
1: I did. I was just searching on LinkedIn to see what was being posted. And in the last 30 days, senior level or mid-senior level and up, there's over 7,000 jobs that were posted to LinkedIn just in the United States alone with the, the RevOps uh, nomenclature in the title.
0: So I, I have to ask, there, there has to be, of all the ones you looked at, are there some trends did you identify some either you know unique trends or perspectives between the organizations and the leaders who are looking for these uh you know rev role maybe give us the top three
1: so there definitely were some trends and the biggest one that i i found across all the different job descriptions was really that no organization knows what to do right now with rev and so they are sort of re- repackaging their existing operations roles and just putting a RevOps title on it. And so a lot of them are still sales-focused or marketing-focused. They're not actually creating a holistic view.
0: Got it. So without this, and for our audience, the intent of this is not to shame anyone. As a matter of fact, we've taken the company's names out. So we're going to stay focused on the actual role. So let, let's start with that. Let's start talking about, uh, you know the this is a very typical job description right you know here's the role here's the requirements maybe give us a glimpse into uh, some of the challenges that that you see in this kind of a typical typical profile
1: absolutely so in this one uh specifically the first bullet point under role is really focused on contract life cycle and deal desk and so that's one segment of the sales cycle that's not really the holistic go-to-market function that revops really should be focused on and then if you look further down uh the last bullet point where it says hands on configuration of new and existing salesforce features again this is a very salesforce heavy role description yet then when you get under the requirements the third bullet point explicitly says experience in administrating and implementing platforms is outreach zoom info six cents and zapier those four tools really have nothing to do with contract life cycle or deal desk so you're misaligning the requirements you're asking for and the the role that you're actually trying to fill and just out of curiosity is everybody going to know what conga is if you're an operations person, yes. Uh, Conga is really just a, a tool that allows you to manage contracts very seamlessly within a Salesforce environment.
0: Okay. So the roles aren't necessarily as uh, inclusive of or the big as big of a picture. It sounds very also very tactical. Is that is that true?
1: It is. Yeah. This is a
0: very we need
1: X done, go execute. It's not really a strategic reimagine how we do this.
0: Got it. So beyond the roles and requirements, you also looked into responsibilities. So this is an interesting list.
1: Yeah, this list, uh, this one is also one that's more sales focused. Uh, Yet a lot of these bullet points that are on here are related to marketing type functions. This one, I did like the second bullet point where it says partner with cross-functional stakeholders because that is a very important part of the RevOps role and just getting that adoption from the go-to-market function. You do have to work with people in marketing, sales, and customer success to make it work seamlessly. Um, The other piece on this one is, it is the, the, it's about halfway down where it says, determine root causes of issues and solve for continued scale. That one also that one's also a very tactical sort of responsibility. And so how I read that is there are fires here and you need to go figure out how to put them out. And so you're gonna be running from project to project. Again, that's not a higher level strategic type function that you'd expect somebody in a RevOps role to have.
0: Two, two other things jumped out at me and I'd love your comments on this when I saw this. As you you know me, we've worked together for a while. You've heard me say I'm allergic to vagueness. I read partner, partner. Partner, prioritize, lead, collaborate. I don't know what that means. So, so does that leave kind of that loose description, leave a whole lot of room for ambiguity or, or kind of interpretation?
1: It does, uh, especially with the word partner, because that doesn't necessarily empower the person or this role to make decisions. It's then creating almost a decision by committee type environment which then leads to, to your point, ambiguity, nobody actually taking ownership of the process or problem to then solve it. And so it, it does leave a lot
0: of interpretation. And they effectively understand the full body of work across business partners. <laughs> uh, I, I keep current with tools, changing trends, industry best practices. It seems like they, 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 we've thrown everything in this soup and i'm combining chili with jello here
1: you <laughs> <Ew>, first <laughs> <laughs> and yes this is kind of a this responsibilities list is a everything but the kitchen sink type list and it also is just covering all their bases and again it's not giving a strategic focus on what this role and what they're actually trying to achieve with this role and the value
0: that this role will bring to the organization moving on to additional requirements and then uh, my favorite you you have to let me make fun of the personal attributes so why don't you touch up on the requirements (laughs) first
1: we will get we'll get to the personal attributes so the requirements a lot of these roles that i was finding for senior director and up fortunately they were asking for pretty reasonable previous job experience so five plus years of managing operations, a lot of them, a lot of the roles that I saw were experience in sales operations, sales methodology, sales focus, whereas oper- revenue operations is really the entire go-to-market function. So you need to understand and have that business acumen to understand top of funnel, middle of funnel, all of those conversion points. And then how does that sales cycle work? And then what is that intentional handoff to customer success look like? And that big picture and that 360 degree view of the customer that you and I've talked about previously, the person in a RevOps role really needs to have that. Mm-hmm. As far as the other requirements on here, the tools that they list out are pretty typical tools for most operations and most organizations. A lot of organizations do leverage Salesforce. They have some sort of email marketing tool like uh, Marketo, HubSpot. Outreach is what a lot of the sales companies use. And so the tools that are listed here are pretty typical. But again, it's, it's kind of a vague, generic list that isn't uh, driving the strategic value
0: that this, this role is actually trying to bring. My, my favorite, now, now now the fun part. My favorite- now, is, now you can talk
1: about the personal attributes.
0: My, my favorite <laughs> is the personal attributes. And, and I know these are good people with good intentions, but I just have one question from people who write these job descriptions. Who in their right mind would say they're not a self-starter or I can't multitask or no, no, sorry, I'm not a fast learner. So it, it just it rattles off a, a kind of I think it's 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 motherhood and apple pie kind of a list of we need an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm sorry. What does that look like? And how do you measure that? And how do you interview for that? And is that does that a, you know, on a spectrum? And does it come with a side of fries? Right. So it's just like it, it's it's a ready to have fun. No, no, no fun at work. I don't do. Fun. No, OK, there, there's I, no fun. I can, I can do the tools, but I don't do fun. And I'm being facetious in some ways because so many of these things say exactly what somebody would say in an interview, and it's just not as productive, not as useful. And, and you and I have talked about more strategically, I, what I read from a lot of these tactical roles is they miss out on that holistic view of what RevOps should be, what RevOps can really create in, in an enterprise value environment. Talk a little about that for a second.
1: Yeah, so the value that a RevOps role really can bring to an organization is it creates a force multiplier of what you're doing and how you're doing it, because it looks at the capabilities of the various teams, it looks at your processes, and it, it manages the entire tech stack from end to end. And so there aren't duplicate tools. The, the handoffs from one thing to another are very seamless. They're, you minimize as much as possible silos of data. And it creates that view that everybody has information about the customer at the time that they need it and in the way that they need it. Sales needs certain information. Customer success needs different information, but should be aware of what sales knows. And marketing needs to know what both of those other teams know. So creating that view is really, really important.
0: And, and, and so, so now I have to ask, why 7000 job descriptions? Why do you believe the right RevOps professional is so difficult to find and keep. We, we have a, a client who recently parted ways with the Ops, VP of RevOps, who had been there for a number of years. W- why is this such a such a difficult, difficult role to kind of add to an organization?
1: I think one of the biggest problems with the role right now is Organizations are not defining what RevOps is. They're rebranding their existing ops functions or they're tacking on yet another team called revenue operations. And so they're not taking the time to reimagine how their business could be different or elevated by bringing this role in and really creating a strategic function around operations and around their go-to-market function. So the, the role itself and, the, and what RevOps does is still very vague and and ambiguous for most organizations today. The other problem is operations can get territorial. And because you have ops in marketing, ops and sales, and now with customer success, you have an ops team there, they don't want others in their sandbox. And so really it's that collaboration and that working towards the same goal really starts to create some friction because Each of them are having different KPIs that they're measured by. And because they don't have a a unified goal, they don't know how to necessarily work together. So it's hard for organizations to keep these people because they want to do more and they see the benefit RevOps could bring. But they're hampered or handcuffed by the way the organization is structured today. And the leadership of that organization isn't wanting to entertain a different way of doing
0: business. Let me add one more just a couple of perspectives from from working with you and 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 being around you and your team for the last couple of years. Uh, I would submit two things. One is a leadership, the other one is a is a RevOps professional kind of lens. Uh, I believe a lot of the RevOps individuals you and I meet uh, have come up to the ranks from a technology standpoint. And, and uh, they've learned marketing. They've been around enough sales, marketing, hopefully customer success. Uh, and yet I, I see this with a lot of traditional technology people. They speak technology. And and when they go into environments where uh, people speak business and they revert back to their comfort level and speak technology, they lose most of the people in the room. So, so there's literally a, a tower of, babble of, well, let me tell you about this, you know, fifth rung of the ladder. I'm just trying to figure out what is a ladder and, and what does a ladder do and how does it. And by the way, no, nobody wants to feel like they're a bumbling idiot. So I don't know what questions to ask you to not, not you, but but know again, that technical resource uh, or t- that technical partner to kind of solve my business problems so I kind of need you to speak business. And and, and, and now I'm going to flip the coin to the, to the leadership side. I th- a lot of leaders, as I think of our CRO friends or CMO friends, or even chief customer officer friends, they speak business. And they, they are looking for business outcomes. And my perception is, and you and I have seen this and we've talked about this, when it comes to RevOps, they know what they want, not necessarily what they need. And I would submit that the fundamental difference is a consultative approach by the RevOps professionals to ask business questions. Tell me what you're trying to do. And and again, I love the fact you and I have had this conversation, right? You've asked me, tell me what's the outcome. Tell me what you, oh, I need a dashboard. By end of the quarter, when I go into that next board meeting or that next senior leadership meeting, I need a dashboard that shows our top of the funnel, where the opportunity is coming from, mix between direct and channel how many touches is taking what's our cost of acquisition those are all business conversations and as you take notes and your light bulb goes off oh i get it now i know kind of what he's trying to get done are you seeing the same think the same from both sides of the 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 the, the tennis court here
1: yes definitely i would agree with both and the operations people that i have worked with that have been phenomenal, do learn and ask those business type questions. And they're, they do try and consult the, the leadership and they they try, it sounds bad, but they try and manage up because a lot of the senior leaders don't necessarily come from a tech background. And so they don't want them to look stupid. They To your point, they don't know what questions to ask. And so consulting up and giving them information, as much information as they need. To your point, they don't need to know the the API codes and all these other things. They just, they need what they need and helping them understand the why behind some of these things. on the On the leadership side, the other piece that I would add is that communicate the business outcome that's needed and then empower the operations team to go get it done and support that. A lot of leaders that I've worked with, they communicate the outcome, but then they want to dictate how it actually gets done as well, even though it may not be the best way. And that also doesn't necessarily work because then you're just asking your strategic ops person to just go be an execution person.
0: And, and it creates, it creates inevitably friction. It, it creates the rev ops doesn't think they're empowered and they can go do what they know needs to get done. And the leaders are, listen, I don't want to argue about this. I don't want to have a committee meeting about this. I just need this done. Yeah. And I think, again, I think there's a balanced approach between uh, RevOps understanding the need for you know sense of urgency, a bias for action. I don't want to analyze it. I don't want to discuss it. I just kind of need that dashboard. I need that end result. And by the way, we're doing a lot of this stuff manually. You and I worked with a CMO who for every board meeting – was putting a massive amount of manual data in because they didn't have the systems or processes, or it wasn't a culture where they were capturing the data to automate generation of a dashboard. That is problematic. And she didn't understand, I think, the power and promise of, of RevOps to its full potential.
1: Well, and on that point, the leadership communicating the outcome that they need, ops needs to RevOps specifically needs to help communicate, okay, this is the outcome you're after, this is the data that we need. Here are our gaps. This is the gap between what we've got today and where you're wanting to be. And leadership then needs to help support transitioning and transforming the way the business does that. So in your example, the data wasn't being captured in a way that we could automate that dashboard. And so without capturing that data, it was going to continue to be manual. And so, it, it became a chicken and egg situation. Well, you want the dashboard, but you have to capture the data, which one's gonna move first. And so it's the leadership needing to help understand and help guide the business to then get the outcome that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, and 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 it leads to kind of our discussions around the fundamental difference between job descriptions and you know, I I, I think you've heard me say, I think job descriptions, I think traditional interviews I think resumes in many ways are dead, and and I believe that because um, a- again we, we we I think I've written articles about this or certainly discussed it before. Resumes are increasingly being scanned by automated systems, and as such, they're looking for they're filtering for keywords. So candidates have figured this out, and now they're keyword stuffing the resume, right to kind of get to the top of that bubble. And interviews, people inevitably will put, it's like dating. They put their best foot forward and tell the interviewer kind of what they want to hear. And and the whole thing is just, it's, it's theater. And you don't really understand. You don't really see, is this person, do they have the proven skill set? Do they have the demeanor? Do they have the ability to see what this role really requires to be successful in it? And so I've just, I've coached both individuals, but more importantly, leaders and their teams. We've got to find a better way. We've got to find a different way to both level up our existing talent, but also proactively go search for net new talent.
1: So on that note of interviews being sort of outdated and everybody just kind of putting on a theater act, what is the best way in your mind to get to the meat of who a person is and can they actually do the
0: role? I'm, I'm glad you asked. So, so again, full disclosure. Uh, years ago, I read uh, a fascinating uh, McKinsey quarterly article in which they talked about this idea of linking talent to value. And again, if you read this you know the, the description or the, the synopsis of the article, it was like, how do we get the best people, in, in the most important roles, uh, not by flip a coin, not, not with the good guy, right? Have you seen people interview, oh, she's fabulous. She's, she's, a, she's a great person. Okay, can she do the job, <laughs> right? Is she the right fit for this incredible role? And, and the article talked about a disciplined approach to create value through the contributions of the top talent. The more I looked into this concept, the more I learned about a gentleman named Sandy Og. And for our audience, if, if you don't know who Sandy is, a uh, former chief, I think, uh, people officer at Unilever and then uh, a partner at Blackstone, arguably one of the most successful private equity firms in the world. And he's written a book called uh, Grow. And, and I think the next one was Move. And, and, and you can look them up on Amazon or you can just look them up. And, and he talks a lot about this idea of how do we connect talent to value as a systematic process. It's a set of tools to really identify a value agenda, identified risk, identify opportunities in the critical roles. And this is really important to point out. It's never about an individual. It's always about a role. So if we think about, as you brought it up, RevOps as a strategic role that could have exactly that statement, this disproportionate value on the value agenda, on where the organization is going, on the outcomes it's trying to accomplish. Um, you and I have a number of tech clients right now who, because of the continued market uncertainty, have cut. Jen, I don't know of a single company that can cut its way to growth. So, yes, did we get bloated in the heydays of right and pandemic was great for a lot of these companies because they didn't travel, they didn't have the SGN expenses, and yet they still were able to sell and they did great and they got bloated and we added muscle and our bones got bigger and we also added a little girth around, okay, enough about me and my midsection, <laughs> but we added a little say, girth. Are we talking about fitness here or I'm jobs? Yes, I'm walking every day. I'm trying to get rid of the girth, but but they got they got girth. So so trimming some of that back, I'm, I'm all in for. But when you start cutting into muscle and bone, that becomes problematic. When you start to cut some of these incredible value creation roles, it becomes problematic. And again, Sandy talks a lot about this idea of the black line, as you can see in this graph, is momentum. Most businesses flat to ever so slightly, right? A little bit of growth. You want to take advantage of the red. He calls that bending the curve, right? You really have to think about strategic initiatives, new markets, differentiated business models, efficiency programs, all of these that are gonna create sources of value in the future. And, and what he talks a lot, and again, the reason I bring this up is you and I have talked about this. We believe this RevOps function, this RevOps role can be incredibly strategic and absolutely contribute to that red, to that upside, to that not incremental, but exponential growth if it's done correctly. Again, Sandy talks a lot about value creators, these are roles that contribute directly or have ownership in the PL within a business unit at you know at the edge of where customers get their value. Think of you know, head of sales, head of a business unit, a GM. These are value creators at the edge of the business. Value enablers, in essence, mitigate the downside in, in really the execution. And they enable those value creators uh, to directly impact their PL. So if that chief revenue officer is a value creator, RevOps is unequivocally a value enabler. And they can be a huge strategic asset to where the organization is going. So, a long answer to your short question about how do you do this differently is really identify and assign value that have the biggest impact on the value agenda. And the way you and I do this for organizations is really think about jobs to be done. Instead of a job description, what are the critical actions required from the role derived from the value agenda? So the value agenda says, here's our ICP today. And within that, here are the personas that have the problem, have the need, are willing to explore our solution, and they would our solution would would address that need, right? There's our ICP across these personas. The value agenda says for us to succeed, we have to expand that ICP or do a deeper dive in certain persona. Or you know what? We wanna go after mid-market construction companies. We're gonna go after mid-market manufacturing, industrial manufacturing companies, right? That's the opportunity to then combine what RevOps needs to do to support that business initiative, that business outcome with its abilities and its willingness. That's where the talent is really assigned the role for the the, the interested outcome. So again, for our audience, if you can see this, here's your recipe, here's the roadmap that we take every client through. What's the value agenda? What's that intense alignment on the strategic choices and value drivers for the business? What are the critical roles? We believe RevOps, the RevOps role, the RevOps leadership role is one of those critical roles. What's the talent risk, right? Between the talent that we have in that position or the void? Uh, You and I know one CRO who I think has been looking for a RevOps leader for about nine months. Yeah. So who is addressing that massive gap in the organization while we don't have that person? Well, we're band-aiding. We got this. We got that. We're looking. It, it's 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 asinine in many ways. Problematic also. And, and I, I just I think I think I have heart palpitations of thinking of what is all not getting done. Yes. What, what's the condition of their database? What's the condition of their data? what's, you know, alignment between their campaigns. So all the things that, and I'd welcome your comments on that. As a matter of fact, I'm curious, what happens when that role is not filled for nine months?
1: If there was a supporting team underneath that person, they try and shoulder and take on as much as possible. If there wasn't, a supporting team underneath the revops role or any ops role it generally transitions to whoever is the most technical person on that designated team. So if it if it was if there's a very technically minded salesperson that's not in ops, maybe they take it on or I know how to do this and they're the super user of that tool well, oh, I'll take that piece on. And so then you start breaking apart all the different things and it kind of becomes wild west in worst case scenarios. I've seen it revert to it and why I say that's worst case scenario is because it doesn't necessarily speak or understand marketing or sales processes. And they're worried about the tools and security and and all of that, but they don't understand the handoff between, they don't understand campaign management, sales flow, any of those things. And so, they would have a very steep learning curve to then keep everything running as it needs to.
0: For that CR or CMO, the scenario we just talked about, (laughs) I couldn't highlight as a greater talent risk, right? That critical role, you either don't have the right talent in or you don't have, or you have suboptimal talent in that role and it is an enterprise risk. It is a company risk. The changes you need to make, you know, in that role to talent, to reduce the risk and then the returns. And we believe tracking the contribution to the value agenda at each role becomes invaluable. So that's a very different approach. That's a very different strategic thinking process than your traditional job descriptions or the good person recruiting litmus test of, hey, she seems really sharp. Why don't we just add her to the team and all this will get solved?
1: Well, and in in your book, Curve Benders, you actually talked about another sort of different approach to hiring talent. And I think you called it the Hollywood talent model. So for those people who are not familiar with that, can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: A, read my books. I, I, I don't, I'm not writing Harry Potter. Right? I'm never going to get wealthy writing books, but the books I do write, Hopefully, do share some uh, unique, interesting perspectives. Yeah, I think it was in Curve Vendors, I, t- and I and I brought it again up in uh, relationship economics. I talk about this idea of the Hollywood talent model, or 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 more, you know, if if you think about the concept, um, Hollywood studios. Very few people that work on a movie actually work for the studio. The studio will hire an executive producer, who then you know they license a a, a, a screenplay. They hire a director, they hire, you know, on-camera talent, off-camera talent. And and very few people again are quote unquote employees. They have a common mission, common vision. They'll work together for, you know, two plus years on a project. The only job guarantee they have is their competency or capability. And I would submit their relationships. And I don't know what a grip is, but go get me the best grip person for this project and they're gonna work with us till this is done, right? And then the next opportunity is gonna come from, oh, he or she was a fantastic grip person and we've got the next project that I'd love to have her, you know, contribute to. So the breadth and depth of that talent, remember the willingness and, and the abilities, plus aligned with the role that we need to create value. It is that the Hollywood talent model. and And I believe organizations, and leaders could considerably and greatly benefit from that mindset that not everybody has to be an employee. I'm gonna go find the best possible talent for that role. And I'm gonna de-risk that by by identifying the willingness and and the abilities to combine with the jobs to be done. And that's how we'll create value in the organization. And, And I think, that's what the Hollywood talent model is and could bring to a lot of organizations. So so again, I think, let me, let me ask you back to this. What are, we talked about leadership for, for a minute. What are sales, marketing, customer success leaders' biggest misperceptions about the RevOps role or function? Biggest
1: misperceptions... Well, I would say the first one is is what we talked about earlier. Where does it fit within the organization? That I've seen it placed in many unique places, under CFO, under CRO, under CMO. In in my opinion, operations and, and specifically revenue operations really needs to be an agnostic department, like your data function, like your IT function, and because it needs to support all of customer success, sales, marketing equally, and they need to have their own set of KPIs and requirements versus being held to the the needs or the measurements of those various leaders. So they need to help support those leaders, but they don't need to necessarily roll up underneath them. So that's one. Number two, biggest misperception is that they are tactical, that they are here to get something done and just go execute what we've asked for and not really looking at them as a strategic enabler. The third one I would say is probably the depth of knowledge and and that training and enablement function. So they they actually come and help versus throwing up roadblocks. A lot of salespeople don't like ops people. Just as a generality, I, I know that there's a ton of good relationships. I have good relationships with sales, but in general, salespeople don't like ops people because they put a whole bunch of required fields and they it's then data entry and the sales doesn't understand why are they doing all this data entry when they should be on the phone telling to, to people. And so it's that friction that comes with trying to execute process and get the data ops perceives they need and forcing sales to do something that may be unnatural to them. So those are probably the top three that I see.
0: And, and, and again, I think educating both sides, so, so uh, you know both the, the the ops professionals, but also the leaders, on how to effectively look for, how to effectively interview, how to effectively onboard, how to effectively empower, how to effectively lead. I think the, you know these ops, uh, very competent, very capable, and then ops people really understand outcomes, not output. Yeah, understand and for impact, op- impact, not tools. Yes.
1: And and what I was going to say is ops people asking those good questions, asking maybe the why behind something. Why is sales not filling in these fields or how is this dashboard being used? So ask those good questions to then help proactively find ways to remove some of that friction. It's exactly right. And so then so earlier you mentioned de-risking the ops function for leaders. So in what ways can you advise leaders to de-risk this function?
0: Yeah, I, I keep thinking about some of the um, the LinkedIn RevOps job descriptions that you showed. And again, um, I believe mindset leads to activities, right? So how we think leads to what we do. And the activities lead to output. And I don't want to take anything away from those two. The activities are important. The output is important, but you cannot stop there because you have to tie the output to outcome and the outcomes to impact. So actually, all three are really critical. So I I would coach leaders to instead of just rattling off, I, I, I don't care that you use Outreach or Sixth Sense or Gong or any of those. There are means to an. I mean, at the risk of, you know, never being invited to work with any of these companies, there are means to an end. There, Nobody buys Outreach because they have nothing else to do. I've said that. No client has ever said, we've got so much money, it's obscene. I've got so much money, I don't know what to do with it. Let's go buy 100 seats of the latest and the greatest sales ops, rev. you know, marketing tech, that we can deploy. What they're after is a set of outcomes. What they're after is a set of impact. So why not in looking for that role, start with the outcomes and the impact. We are awful at top of the funnel. Our (laughs) leads are awful. We need you to drive at 20% growth in top of the funnel lead generation. Again, you know this world better than I do But if you state that, if you state the outcomes you're after, wouldn't it give the candidate, I think, a much better understanding of the expectations from the role? It most
1: definitely would. And it also would give them an opportunity to then come back with additional questions of what are you doing today and examine those things. What are you doing today? What what else can we do? What has been tried? Are we just throwing a whole bunch of spaghetti at the wall? Are we tracking anything like? I, but I very I clear, it. this is what we want.
0: Absolutely. It and tell be- me. And tell me what's more productive: you and I having a conversation around that role, and you asking great questions of where are you today, and what's working and what's not to really understand. Do I have the skills? and the proven background and experience to deliver a 20% uptick in what they need, or candidly tell you your expectations are unreasonable and that I can't get there with your current environment. And what I would recommend or suggest is for you to do these things. Now it becomes a much richer conversation than tell me about yourself. And (laughs) are you as fabulous as your resume points to? I mean, you're a fast learner. Oh my God! Oh, I, I'm a hard worker. I'm sure you are, but that doesn't contribute to that twenty percent uptick we need in top of the funnel. Or, well, and
1: I, I would add and add to that is focus the outcomes to the various pieces of the the organization. So, if you're wanting somebody focused on the top of funnel, driving that twenty percent top of funnel don't then also say in the same job description that they need to increase conversion rate of close one opportunities at the bottom of the funnel. Because
0: they, have no, they, have no control over, they have no control over that. They're not, exactly. last time I checked, operations people are not making sales calls. Right? right? So I'd rather that job description focus on fewer jobs to be done um you and I walk into a lot of organizations where their data maturity is front and center. You realize that and I've always said to people, garbage in, garbage stays. We're very good at building a massive our Salesforce. Somebody they talk about it like it's a badge of honor. Our Salesforce has a million records in it. Well, whoop de doo, good for you. How many of them are clean? How many of them are updated? How many of them through the pandemic did you have their cell numbers for? Are your sales rep keeping up with it? Are you making them do unnatural acts to just get the stupid data in? And and, and, and they I'm miss out, that. I'm just gonna say they the miss out time on time. They, Yeah, they miss out on the outcome and the impact because they're so busy with the tools and the steps and uh, minutia of why we invested in those. Technologies to begin with.
1: Well, and you've also said it before. They're mistaking that vibration with the forward motion. So it's, the, it's all the things. They checked all the boxes today. They made hundred contacts. They updated a hundred records today.
0: So, so you and I've talked about a, a lot of things that that may be wrong with those job descriptions. <laughs> Let me ask you, you. You work with a lot of again CROs, CMOs. You 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 give them you know you advise them on building out their RevOps function. What, is, what are the steps? What are the top three, five steps where you would suggest they either start or they look at kind of the environment? And, and we, you and I work with some really savvy executives. Uh, you know, what, what should they kind of pay attention to? What should they really focus on? So it does depend on
1: the maturity of the organization. So if they have an established ops teams or multiple sales, marketing, et cetera, Within those teams, identify the people who are going above and beyond their role and doing that proactive, consultative type work, because those are the people that will help guide the business in a way and ask really good questions. So look within your own teams first, because bringing somebody in from the outside creates that territorial, this is mine. Uh, so that would be number one, look at within your own teams, find those people who are those player coaches who are always really helpful that are looking to solve the problems of the business. Number two, I would say really define the outcome that you're after and, and what it is you want ops to do. And it may be breaking that function up to having This is our tactical, get it done, go do the fires, execute team. And then here's our strategic team that is focused on the the future of the business. And so then you have an ops function that's separated and has some people working on keeping everything running how it is. And then you have another set of people that you've identified that have that broader view to really focus on transforming the business. So those would be the, probably the top two things that I'd recommend.
0: And, 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 and I, I, would, I would encourage the leaders to look beyond your own four walls. The, the dinosaur leadership is, everybody has to be within our sandbox and our company. And I really want you to think of that Hollywood talent model. You need a phenomenal cinematographer. You need an unbelievable editor. You need the best sound person in the business versus the gaping hole you have in the team, or a suboptimal person. They don't have the right attitude, they don't have the right skills. You're and I'm saying this respectfully, but you're babysitting. You're following up on follow-up that you don't have the bandwidth for, and you're getting dragged into minutia because the person you have in that role, good person. Good intentions, doesn't have the skills, doesn't have necessarily the right attitude, doesn't have that get it done, doesn't have the scrappiness and go figure it out kind of mindset. And all of those are going to continue to create challenges for you, for your team, for your organization. So, so on that note, again, if, if the audience, if you've gotten value out of this, um, you know, again, Jen and I can come talk to the team about this. Um, I do a lot of the growth strategy work and thinking about uh, leveraging your relationships, both digital, but also the physical ones, much more impactfully. Uh, we visualize the stories through our, our strategy visualization work. We do a great deal of work around mergers and acquisitions and relational challenges. In the previous episode, we talked about digital and relational pitfalls, a lot of M&A organizations jump into. And then Jen, you wanna highlight a little bit about your kind of RevOps practice? Yeah, my, my
1: team and I, we work on doing assessments, so giving a, a third-party view of what your environment's like and then making recommendations for your team to go and adjust those. And But we also go all the way to doing managed services. Through M&A work, we actually take on the integration work that's that necessary through in mergers and acquisition event, or we have clients that have fully outsourced their operations function to my team because they do realize that they don't have the internal talent to get what they need done. And so they, they either were supplementing their team or we fully own the, the tech stack.
0: And, and again, for the audience, we've also spent a great deal of time really thinking through and, and really prioritizing what we believe to be one of the best-in-class approaches to uh, really thinking about this, uh, as it says, amplifying time to really impact. So this is our amplified time to impact process from the baseline assessment that that we do at the onset to really give you a, a just that a baseline of where you are today. It can parachute in, in any part of this journey uh, to really focus on fixing, elevating, enhancing, amplifying that piece, or ideally helping uh, through that that entire kind of process uh, tech stack capability. And again, it isn't just our opinion, our experiences. We've also partnered with a company called Versalytics, and we've developed a scorecard that gives you a quantifiable, qualitative and quantitative insights. And it's not just descriptive of here's where you are. It's also prescriptive of what do we need to focus on and how do we get dramatically better at this? So on behalf of Jen Cords and I, I hope this session on the RevOps job descriptions and really thinking differently about how to align talent to value creation has been interest and value to you, Jen, I could not leave this session since you're flexing on the rest of us with your attire for you to talk about uh, what you're, you're off to uh, U.S. women's fly fishing event.
1: I am uh, this, we are having a team USA practice in Idaho as the world's team gets ready for a competition. That's going to be happening in September. And the U S is sending six anglers to Canada to fish against 11 other teams this
0: year. Good, good, good. Well, on behalf of our team, good luck to you. We can't wait for you to bring back a trophy or medal or some sort of bling that you can (laughs) flex on in a future session for our audience. uh, Every Tuesday at noon Eastern, uh, 11 Central, all the way back to 9 Pacific, uh, we encourage you to join us on the various social channels for intelligent growth. and, And then wherever you consume podcasts, you can also just search intelligent growth I'm David Noorr with Gen Chords. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. All the best.